Welcome everyone to Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and this is episode 308 of the podcast. Um, some sad news on the weekend with the passing of rugby league legend, rugby league immortal, one of the great coaches of all time in Bob Fulton. Um, everything I've read about Bob Fulton as a player, it, it's just unquestionable. He was one of the best players of all time. Um, I only knew Bob Fulton as a coach, and there was something interesting that uh, Greg Alexander had said on the weekend on Fox Sports about his coaching at representative level in particular. He said that Bob Fulton really understood what was needed to be a representative coach, and I grew up with Bob Fulton being the Australian rugby league coach, and the thing about Bob Fulton as a coach his teams were always really well prepared. They're always very good defensively. And, you know, they never come into a game and looked off. They were always ready for the contest. I think that under Bob Fulton's coaching, it was a real golden era for Australian rugby league in terms of the performances we put in. Um, I think that really the only coach uh, since him at international level for Australia that has come close is Mal Meninga, who Mal Meninga also gets what is needed to be a great representative coach. And you saw that at state of origin level. You're seeing that now at Australian level. And, you know, he was he was a player and a captain of the Australian rugby league team under Bob Fulton. So it's it's interesting that he has carried on that sort of legacy, really. Um, Bob Fulton had apparently been fighting cancer for some time. That was something that wasn't widely known. I know it, it wasn't something that I knew. So when news come through that he had passed away, uh, it really hit rugby league pretty hard. And, you know, straight away you think of his family and friends. Uh, the Manly Seagulls really stepped up in their game against Parramatta. And it was a really good tribute to Bob Fulton that they put on such a great performance against Parramatta. But yeah, very, very sad news. And, you know, any time the game loses one of the all-time greats like Bob Fulton and somebody that was a, always a touchstone for, you know, modern-day coaches and players, it's always very sad. So the loss of an immortal of the game, you never want to see that. And as I tweeted on the weekend when I found out the news, you know, up there in heaven there's a team that was playing against Tommy Rodonigas at halfback and thinking they had their hands full. Well, Bob Fulton turned up with a pair of boots looking to run out in the field with Tommy and I don't know who they were playing, but that other team was completely stuffed. So rest in peace, Bob Fulton, one of the truly great legends of rugby league, uh, not just as a player but as a coach and, and as a I don't know, maybe as a personality or a just one of the custodians of the game, I guess, is the way that, it, that I want to put it. Now, the crackdown on head-high contact or any contact with the head has continued in the NRL over the weekend and really made the round another messy round of football. There was only really one team this weekend that I think you can say, well, maybe two. I guess there was two, but, you know, 
the Penrith Panthers were fantastic on the weekend against a Souths team that were not only poor, that but they had a few decisions go against them. And the other team that played really well was the Manly Seagulls, who absolutely thumped the Parramatta Eels. But, you know, you couldn't get away from the fact that so many games were ruined by really ticky-tack penalties and 10 in the bin and things like that, as well as the six again calls against teams. How many good games of football did we really see on the weekend? You know, I I was watching all of the games that were all pretty much a chore to get through because of the new rule set. Uh, the Sydney Roosters, I mean, Victor Radley, I thought that he was going to break all sorts of records for getting sent off and sent to the bin and penalties. He was going out there and trying to thump the opposition. And, you know, any any little tiny contact with the head, you're in trouble. And, look, I understand that we can't have contact with the head, but there is a huge difference between being in danger of getting a concussion and just having contact, simple contact with the head. And I think that's what these rules that the NRL has brought in has missed. You know, I saw a player get sent to the bin this weekend for basically slapping a player accidentally across the face. And that was absolutely ridiculous. You know, and and the other thing that we're looking at is if a player goes to the HIA or the head bin, whatever way you want to put it, and they're found to not have a concussion under the HIA rules, that's not a concussion under the current medical guidelines that we have. Now, you can say whether they're right or wrong. You can say that it's a really bad way to sort out whether a player has concussion. I understand that. You know, I I tend to think that the way that they do HIAs, you know, sometimes I think about them and I think, man, they're very easy to pass. And then other times, I, you know, when you hear about what they actually go through, when they're in the change rooms and they do assess a player for a HIA, it's pretty complex. And it's something I actually want to try and do on the podcast in the next few weeks is do the baseline test and then see if I can just pass it. Number one, I'd like to see if I can just pass it outright and I should be able to, otherwise there's a big problem. But number two, I'd like to try and do it after a few drinks and see if I can pass that baseline test. It'd be interesting to see. Anyway, um, but I think that the, the nuance of head contact is missing in some of these decisions. And one of the really interesting things I'm finding is that, you know, when a referee sends somebody to the bin for 10 of their own volition, they send them straight to the bin. Like, there's no umming and ahhing about it. I tend to think that referees are being instructed by the video ref in terms of who should go to the bin and who doesn't because we're seeing play stopped and it's a a minute or two before these decisions are coming down of who's going to go to the bin or not. Now, I've never seen a referee need a minute or two to think about who needs to go to to the sin bin. So I think these decisions are all coming from the video ref. Now, you can say whether that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It just shows that 
more of the decisions on the field are now being controlled by the video ref. That's something that I don't like to see personally. There are some people that would argue that as long as we get the right decision, who cares who makes that decision? But I I tend to personally believe that, you know, any tiny bit of contact with the head does not need to go to the bin. I don't think it always needs to be a penalty either. You know, if you've played rugby league, and look, I haven't played at the professional level. The vast majority of us haven't. But you cannot play a game without having some sort of contact to your head. And, you know, we're seeing... When you see a player get the ball and duck down into a tackle, that shouldn't always be a penalty. You know, sometimes you've got to look after your your, your own self when you go into a tackle. And if you duck down and put your head into a tackle and... You know, you smash it into an opposition player's arm. What did you expect to happen when you duck down into a tackle? It's a really, really complex situation. We're dealing with not only, you know, trying to sort out what a a defender's intent was, but we're trying to, you know, work out what the physics of a tackle is every single time someone gets contact to the head. And I just think that having a simplistic rule where any contact to the head is either a penalty or a sin binning and sometimes being sent off, man, it's a slippery slope. And I tend to think that what we are going to see are these rules slowly wound back, not so much in terms of the rule book, but I just think referees will slowly not send as many players to the bin as we have seen over the last couple of years. I think that, over the last couple of weeks, sorry, I think that we're seeing less six again calls over the last couple of weeks, by the way. And if they just wound them all back, just quietly, I think it'd be a good thing for the game because the game's been ruined. The games are really, really hard to watch at the moment. And it's not a good thing for rugby league. Um... I've seen very few people say that they like what they're seeing out there on the field. I've had English Rugby League fans saying they're horrified by what they're seeing and they hope Super League doesn't bring in a similar rule set. Uh, It was funny, I did hear one commentator on the weekend saying that these rules had been brought into uh, Super League, which is just wrong, and that fans had been very happy to see them brought in and there were no complaints they failed to mention that there have been no fans at Super League games for quite a long time. They're only just starting to be allowed back into the stadium. So I found that pretty funny. The other thing I've, I've heard, and I've been watching Fox Sports commentary um, over the last week and a half, and it is that you're seeing some of the Fox Sports commentators really trying to pretend that everything's fine, you know, and the game is great. And I don't know who they're trying to convince, but... You know, anybody watching these games, these games are horrible to watch. They're being absolutely ruined and something needs to be done about these rules because as they currently stand, they're not good for the game of rugby league. And I don't think that they're good for the health and well-being of the players either because players are absolutely stuffed. And, you know, they're saying it themselves. They're saying that, This rule set is terrible for fatigue levels. 
It's terrible for their tackling techniques. They're getting injured more and more. And, you know, the NRL just simply isn't listening. Now, on to some contract news. Uh, Parramatta Eels second rower Ryan Madison has picked up a player option and will remain at the Eels. They have said that they are looking to stay at the Eels next season and look to sign a longer-term deal going forward. But I would suggest that with Madison's form this season, which has been a little bit patchy and definitely not as good as it was last year, He's probably looking to stay at the Eels, take the money that's on offer. It must be better than the money that's on offer elsewhere, otherwise he would have moved, it feels like, and try and recapture his form from last year and maybe get a bigger contract either out of the Eels or someone else next year. So I thought that was interesting. There was also a rumour that uh, Anthony Milford had been offered to the Gold Coast Titans next season and that they had balked at the offer. He was asking for too much money. Me and Andrew have talked about this on the podcast. I don't know what Milford's options are going to be. I feel like he's going to sign a contract that is well down on his current deal with the Brisbane Broncos, which is a really big deal. It's a it's a marquee player deal that he's got at the Broncos. Um, I wonder where he'll end up. I wonder if it's a sneaky move that he might go back to the... Canberra Raiders, where you originally come from. If George Williams decides to go back to England at the end of the year, and it feels like that is going to happen, especially when you look at, you know, Williams' form, he just looks like a player that doesn't want to be there at the moment. It might be something that Ricky Stewart looks at and says, look, I need a bit of a shake-up with this team. If he can get Milford for cheap, it might be something that's a positive for the Canberra Raiders, they need somebody that adds a little bit of something to their halves, a little bit of creativity. Milford, if you threw him into the halves for an entire year, I could see where he might give you something, but that's the whole point about Milford at the moment. It's like you're really clutching at straws like that. You're really hoping that you can talk a team into a move like that. I'm not saying that's the best move for the Canberra Raiders by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, I could see where if they get rid of Williams and they bring in Milford, you would say, oh man, is this going to work out? But that's where Milford's career is at at the moment. I tend to think his best move might be something that we saw from Benji Marshall this year, where he goes to a club where they've got some halves and hopes that he can be used off the bench and, and brings a bit of spark off the bench. But even then, I mean, the difference between what Milford gives you right now and what Benji Marshall gives you right now, it is huge. And so I, I think that what is more likely is that Milford will either head over to Super League. He could re-sign with the Brisbane Broncos, but on a much reduced deal. Otherwise, does he start looking at maybe like playing rugby union sevens or something that like that's the level that I think he is at right now. It's incredible to see how far he has fallen off. Uh, another rumor that's doing the rounds is that Brent Naden will leave the Penrith Panthers this season and head straight to the, the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. Look, 
after the big drama after the grand final with Naden and the Penrith Panthers, I just I'm happy for him to go immediately. I didn't want him at the club as soon as all that news come out after the grand final about him. Um, I would pack his bags. He hasn't played much for the Panthers. They don't really need him this year. And, you know, I, I think that anybody that the Canterbury Bulldogs can get on board, throw a bit of talent out there, even if you're just hoping and praying that they do something, I think it's a positive for the Canterbury Bulldogs. And, you know, it's going to make no difference to the Penrith Panthers whatsoever. Now, NRL CEO Andrew Abdo has come out today and has said that State of Origin 1 at the MCG will go ahead. Uh, If you don't know, there's been a little bit of a COVID outbreak in Melbourne. Uh, It's very early days at this stage. And it's going to be really, really interesting. The NRL is drawing up plans, contingency plans, for if the outbreak gets worse. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of having a crowd in at the MCG. It had the potential to be the biggest crowd in Australia for, you know, since COVID broke out, basically. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there over the next few days. One of the interesting comments that he made, though, is that he said that he doesn't expect State of Origin 1 or the State of Origin series in general to be marred by send-offs and penalties and all the things that have marred the NRL so far this season, which is really interesting because it means he must have a crystal ball or something. Like I just can't imagine that State of Origin is not going to be ruined as well by this new rule set. And just the admission that the NRL has been marred by the send-offs and the new rules, I mean, when is the NRL going to wake up and do something about that? Who knows? Now, for the next episode of the podcast, I will be telling you who both myself and Andrew would select in our State of Origin teams Um, It could be a little bit messed up by who gets suspended and who doesn't, but at the very least, you should be able to see the sort of teams that we would put together. I haven't put together my Queensland team uh, just yet. I've seen both of Andrew's teams, and I I thought my teams were interesting. Andrew's teams are really, really interesting, and he said to me that he doesn't like to go with What everyone else is saying, he kind of likes to pick a team that's a little bit different. So make sure you tune in for that one. Uh, We should also have a podcast out on Thursday afternoon with one of our regular guests, which will be a topic of discussion that I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, I have my team of the noughties that I'll put out soon, and I'm going to try and get a couple of uh, guests on next week as well because I just find that these solo episodes they're good they're easy to do they're fine but I feel like it's it's a lot more fun to have a conversation where you can bounce ideas off one another and things like that so I hope you're enjoying these solo episodes so far um, and yeah we'll see how we go so make sure that you go to nrlrumors.com which I will post all of the latest rumours that are going around in the game. 
Um, I don't make the rumors up. I just post the ones that I've heard about and that are kind of doing the rounds in the mainstream media. And it's cool because you're able to see which ones pan out, which ones don't. Go to rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com to get all the latest podcasts from the best independent rugby league podcasters going around. Uh, you can check out nrlbreakingnews.com. That's basically an RSS feed site of all of the mainstream media sites and some independent sites and what they're putting out there each and every day. Uh, and, of course, go to leaguefreak.com. Uh, I've been posting a, a number of articles recently. I'm getting back into writing, which is good fun. And, of course, if you want your stats, there's only one place to go to, and that is rugbyleagueproject.org. So, thank you for listening to the podcast. Tell all your friends to subscribe and retweet the all of the um, the episodes that we put out on Twitter and, and YouTube. We've actually... Almost got 100 subscribers on YouTube. I was looking at that last night, so that's pretty cool. So if you've got a YouTube account or a Google account, make sure, make sure you subscribe to it. We do get people that obviously listen to the podcast through YouTube. Uh, you can leave you know, comments on there and stuff like that, so that's all pretty cool. So thank you for listening, and we will put out a, another episode very soon.